Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Wow. Uh, this morning, I'm going to jump right into what I want to talk about because it may take me as much time as I've got. Uh, I'm always, as we did during Thanksgiving, uh, you know, I kind of talked about the first Thanksgiving and, and talked about, I, I'm always like looking at things from different ways. I always, uh, some people like that. Some people, it gives them a lot of new stuff to sh- talk about at work next week. And, and so I enjoy the studying. I enjoy the, the, the learning. I, I, I wish I never had to preach. I know that sounds crazy. I don't like the stage as much. I'm not crazy about having to, this is what God called me to, but I love the learning. I love just the, the, the gaining the knowledge, finding something in there that's like, wow, God put that all together. This morning, I'm going to show you uh, a Christmas story that maybe you've never heard. Uh, and so every book of the Bible, it's amazing how we celebrate Christmas, and only half of the first four Gospels even talk about Christmas or even talk about Jesus' birth. Matthew and Luke is where we pull all our scriptures from. There's really nothing in Mark. Mark starts right with John the Baptist. John starts with Jesus being the light of the world, and that's pretty much it. And just to talk, then he goes into John the Baptist. And so you're kind of like, well, man, we get into Christmas, we create this great big thing and everything, and half the Gospels don't even talk about it. But really they do. They do, but it's just, it's in a different way. They're talking to their audience at their time. And they're using different stories and different ways to show the picture of what we see so clearly. In fact, even the book of John gives us a Christmas story. But it doesn't come in the first chapter and it doesn't come at his birth. It comes in chapter 7 of the book of John. And it's at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration that the Jews understood very clearly. In fact, there are three great feasts that they had to go to every year. And one of those was the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths or as we call the Feast of Nations. All of those, those three different names are used to describe this feast where they would go and, and be. And I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But if they can pull up for me Isaiah 9, I know I'm throwing this on them. Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, I want to kind of share with you what Israel was looking for from a Savior. They weren't looking for a baby Jesus. They weren't looking for uh, just somebody being born, a Messiah. They were looking for a king. And in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, it kind of gives us a picture of what they were looking for. When you were to ask them, man, what would Christmas be like? What would it look like? Here's what they would say. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is in distress. And when at first he lighted, esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee and of the what? And of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. And men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppression as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal and noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used in burning fuel of fire. For unto us a child is... Now notice now, we just stop, we start right here. We start at verse what? Six. But Israel is, starts at verse 1. They're reading the letter of Isaiah, and he says, listen to me, there is one coming. He is powerful. He is going to, to take care of now. He is going to bring. And in the area of the Gentiles and among the, the people of Galilee, they are going to see a great light. And this is what they're looking for. 
And this is where we catch up, and this is where we kind of cut it and say, oh, we like this part. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. This is, the, this is their Christmas story. This is what they're celebrating each year looking for, what we would call our Christmas. They would call it the Feast of Tabernacles. They would call it the Feast of Booths. In fact, they would tell you if you have not been to the Feast of Booths, you have not been to a celebration. Just like we have Christmas time. And just like we have all the parties and all the things, the pajama parties and everything going on, it, they had their moment and their time where it was like, this is our celebration feast. In fact, most people believe, theologian-wise, believe that Jesus was born in this time period. He was not born at December when it was winter. The sheep and the shepherds were still out in the field. But probably somewhere between August and October, in this time period where it would be in the time of this Feast of Tabernacles is when Jesus was born. Wouldn't it have been ironic if Jesus was born at the time? The time they're singing about, the thing they're waiting for, He arrives. John alludes to this because when he begins his book, he kind of tips Christmas when he says, we beheld His great light. He's kind of giving you a picture, and he comes back in verse chapter 7 to kind of give us an expansion of that. He says, we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Son, Father. He dwelt among us. That word dwelt there that John uses means he built a tent. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. In chapter 6 of John, the world is not going well for Jesus. In chapters earlier, Jesus, John the Baptist, has just been beheaded. His ministry is kind of starting to have implosions and problems in the fact that disciples are leaving him now. Many disciples leave Jesus. In chapter 6, we find this. We find that, that it's, his popularity is starting to wane. There's all these rumors about him. There's all these different things being said about him. And in fact, when you jump into chapter 7, and that's where we're going to stay today, if that's all right. I'm just going to stay at chapter 7. I'm not going to jump around the Bible on you. When you get to chapter 7, you kind of sense exactly, and you get a feel exactly what's going on, even among his own family. Go with me to chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. And after these things, the things I just told you about, disciples leaving, John the Baptist beheaded, all the chaos that's going on among his group. Everybody is, Jesus is about six months away from the Passover and he's about six months away from the moment he'll die. So what is going on? Let's look. And after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee for he did not want to walk in Judea because of the Jews sought to so the rumor now all throughout town, all throughout, is that, look, if you see this Jesus, if we can get our hands on this Jesus, we're going to kill him. They, they, they've got it in their minds that this is what we're going to do. We're going to kill him. And the rumor is all through Jerusalem. In fact, the Bible will say later in chapter 7 that nobody talked about it, even brought Jesus' name up, afraid they would tick one of the Pharisees or one of the high priests off. It was, it was a very tumultuous moment. It was a, it was a tough time. We always think that Jesus is just walking around city to city, healing people. No, no, as it gets close, as it is celebrating this time of tabernacle, and we're given this picture of true Christmas, it's really a difficult time. Whenever I read this, I, my mind immediately goes to Elvis's song, I Wish Every Day Could Be Like Christmas. Anybody remember that song? I just love it. I still walk around singing it. 
Oh, I can't every day be like Christmas. Oh, I can't that feeling go on through the year. For if every day could be just like Christmas, what a wonderful world this would be. So that song stays in my head. I walk around singing it all the time because the whole context is why can't we? Why can't we finally get to where Isaiah said we've got a king on the throne, we've got a ruler. He, he's going to rule with peace. It's going to be. I'm talking about festivals. We're going to celebrate. We're going to burn all of our weaponry. It's, it, we're not going to fight wars anymore. It, it's going to be an awesome. Why can't we get there? And in the picture we're seeing, it doesn't look anything like it. It looks like we're a million miles from it. In fact, it doesn't get any better. Listen to verse 2. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at... Wow. It's amazing how God lines everything up and says, are you ready for Christmas? Yeah, but i got so much going on. I mean, it's, it's so much chaos right now. So, Are you ready for Christmas? Why can't every day be like Christmas? Why is it we just suck it up one time a year and be nice to everybody and smile? And then the rest of the time we're like, look, that's over now. Santa Claus is gone. Time to get back to work. We've got to pay for all this stuff. Why can't the spirit of that go on and on and on? Verse 3. It even affected his own family. See, the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles was a time when an entire family, it was, it was like our Christmas, the entire family would gather together, they would travel together to Jerusalem, they would carry their, their bundles of wood and they would carry their sticks because they had to build this little tent looking thing and, and it couldn't be just any kind of tent, it had to be big enough to put a table in. So think of it like a, a gazebo, what we would call a gazebo today. They had to all build a handmade gazebo in Jerusalem area, and they all stayed in it for eight days. That's a family reunion. Would you want to get all your family together and all pile up together and say, you know what, we're just going to go sleep outside, and we're just going to get this tent, and we're going to eat under this little tent area? Some of y'all would say we need Christmas after that. Well, this was their festival. This was the festival of tabernacles. But notice now, his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go unto Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself uh, seeks to be known openly. Verse 4, if we, if we do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, you would think that that sounds like a great... Hey, Jesus, you need to take your disciples, you need to go to Jerusalem, and you need to show yourself to the world. You, you need to let everybody know. If you're the Messiah, man, you need to do this. You would think that they're actually saying something good. But listen to me. It's pure sarcasm. What they're saying to him is not anything to brag on him. Because notice verse 5. For even his brothers didn't believe him. They thought he was a, a fruitcake. Jesus, you're a, you're, you're a lunatic. You've got a devil. You've lost your mind, but I'm going to tell you what. You want to fix this problem? You want to go ahead and solve it all? Then just carry yourself on up to Jerusalem and show them all the miracles you keep doing. And you know what? You, you, you'll either be the real deal or they'll get rid of you. That was his brother's. Notice Mary's not sitting there defending him. None of his family have his back. I don't know where we got from Mother Mary and all this kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, you want to pray to that, you pray to whatever you want. But let me tell you something, didn't none of his family stand up for him? You'd have to be totally unscriptural to go that direction. Because his brothers, his family, they were like, we don't know what's going on. We think he's lost his mind. We think he's just, just got too hot one day or something. We ain't got no part of him. So his disciples have left him. His cousin John just lost his head. Everybody's out to kill him, and now it's time for Christmas. 
It's time to celebrate. It's time to go do the greatest feast that we're going to do. And here's what Jesus says. And then Jesus said unto them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. He said, the time that God has appointed for me is not ready, but you know what? You can be sarcastic anytime. You can, you can follow the devil anytime. It's always a good time to go get drunk. It's always a good time. You know, it's five o'clock somewhere. See, it, Jesus just points out to him. He just looks some point blank and says, it's always a good time for you. He said, but it ain't good time for me. It's not the time God has appointed for me. And here's what he tells him. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. The world can't hate you because you are, you are the world. You act like them, talk like them, think like them. But they, but they hate me because I'm bringing light into the world. I'm preaching. When he said these things to them, he remained, verse, verse 9, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in so he says, I'm not going to stay in the same place, my brothers and my family, because that's the first place they're going to look for me. He was doing two things. First, keeping a low profile, and secondly, protecting his very brothers that, that hated him. He said, no, no, I can't go up with y'all. I, I, that wouldn't be good. You go on. And he, he makes it like I'm not coming. But this was a feast that... The God commanded, it was in the law of Moses, you have to go to this feast. So everybody knew he was probably going to be there. But he went privately, secretly. And he enters in. So what is this feast of tabernacles? What is this feast of booths that we're talking about? This is very important. So what was it in their time that was so incredible? Well, first off, it was after the Day of Atonement. It was after the day that they had atoned for their sins. There was a great celebration. It was, it was a time of harvest. It was a time of plenteous. Man, it was, it was just a great time to sit down and enjoy all that God had given them. It's like what we do. Right after Thanksgiving, we go right into Christmas. Right after their atonement, right after their moment. It's amazing. I, I want to tell you something that will surprise you. Do you know that we did not arrange Thanksgiving and we did not arrange Christmas by accident. I believe with all of my heart, God designed even these holidays we have now to coincide and to be able to go back in the Bible and to look at it and say, you know what? The Bible still is showing a picture of what we're doing today. After our Thanksgiving day, after our celebration day, after our feast day, after all of this, then we go right straight into, hey, we've only got 30 days. We've only got a few days till Christmas. We've only, we're counting them down. We're going. Well, they went right into immediately after the day of atonement eight days of a feast of tabernacles or a feast of booths that they had. Now these booths, as I said, had to be built a certain way. They could not be permanent structures. It's kind of like our Christmas trees. They don't last. They're not there for the whole year. They're only there for a short time. They're only there for the purpose that God has given them and then they're to be taken down and gotten rid of. In fact, in their time, they would collect different limbs and they would collect different tree limbs. You have to realize that Israel is not some forestry area. It would take time to make sure you had enough sticks, enough wood, enough pieces of beam, enough pieces of palm. They would collect different palms to cover the grass and straw, whatever they could come up with to make a roof. But the roof could not be completely sealed. You had to be able to lay down on the ground under the tent and look up and see stars. Because what it was to symbolize was the first picture in the Old Testament was Israel had to leave Egypt in such haste and they had to stay in the way they did that they did not have a permanent dwelling, that they slept out among the stars, they slept out among the people. So these booths had to be built. The whole families were living in them. But there's something else about the Feast of Tabernacle. They also did a sacrifice of bulls to the nations at that time. 
The priests every day would sacrifice so many bulls to all the different nations of the world. They would pray, God, please allow this nation to be good to us. Please allow this nation to come in. Remember what Isaiah said? That the nations would come. That the nations, that was what the prayer was, that the Gentiles would come into. And so part of their prayer, in fact, even in Zechariah, we are told that in the new millennium, this, this is, oh man, I wish I had time. In the new millennial, you know, the thousand-year reign of Jesus, do you know that that feast will still be in operation? That Zechariah said at the Feast of Tabernacles, the nations will still come once a year, and they will come to, the, to Jerusalem, and they will celebrate the king, and this will go on. A celebration of Jesus bringing all the nations under his umbrella. And they would sacrifice during this time and say, Lord, God, we can't wait till you come. We can't wait till you finally sit on your... We can't wait till all of a sudden that you become the king that you're supposed to be. We can't wait till this moment. We look at it at Christmas and we think, well, so-and-so's coming. And man, I get to see so-and-so. And we're going to all be together. Isn't that part of what we celebrate? It's a gathering, a coming together. Do you know, also, they had lights and torches. One of the things that they did was, just like we have Christmas lights and strings. And Do you know one of the part of the festival was that they all lit a torch? And you can imagine this candlelight service that we'll be having. They all lit a torch, and as they lit this torch, they all, each individual, would walk around the temple to symbolize that when God comes and when He finally arrives, the Spirit will come and each one of us will be lit with the Spirit and we will be kingdom of priests. We will be a kingdom of... We will become... Well, and can you imagine seeing that in Jerusalem at that time under all those little tabernacles and all those little places that are built and inside those little booths they hung fruit and inside there they hung little pictures and they hung different things. They hung ornaments and different smells and different things. Oh, it was their Christmas. It was a great celebration. And then all of a sudden everybody walking out would have torches and they would be walking around the temple and it would be celebrating and saying one of these days we're going to all be lit with a, with a kingdom. We're all going to have the Spirit. One of these days, we're all going to have what God has promised in the Old Testament, what we're going to have one day. They're celebrating. The final part of this was the drawing of water. The priest, the high priest, would go to the pool of Siloam, and he would dip a bucket into the pool of Siloam, and he would carry it all the way back to the temple. And he would carry that water and he would go up to the altar. And it wasn't blood this time, it wasn't, it was water. And he would take that water and he would pour it on the altar. He would pour that water on the altar. And then all of a sudden, an enormous celebration, an enormous praise would go up through all of Jerusalem of all that they had done. They would begin to sing and they would begin to dance and celebrate that all, look what's coming. It's in this setting that Jesus arrives. See, just like we have to struggle with what's Christmas about. Is it about decorations, lights, presents, family time, Christmas trees, All the other things that, that, that are there to symbolize, to help us symbolize the joy. But it's not real joy. In fact, some of you will be honest, it's a real pain. Setting up your tree. Then the thought of, well, I'm going to take it down. So some of us leave it up most of the year or at least till February. It took so much time to put it up, I ain't taking it down anytime soon. It's supposed to be a celebration. Oh, we got to go there again? Oh, man. Wasn't we just there three weeks ago? 
we have to travel and do. There's this battle between what it's really meant to be in Isaiah and what it has become in Jesus' time. Just like with us, it's what it was designed to be as a celebration of Christmas to where now it's Merry Xmas or Happy Holidays or Seasons. We're just like them in the battle for what it means. And Jesus shows up just like He does every Christmas for us. In through all the shopping and the Black Fridays and everything else that we have, Jesus shows up for us the same way and says, here I am. I'm what you were really looking for. I'm really what you were trying to find. All this other stuff is just symbols. All this other stuff is just, is just images. But I'm really what you were looking for. Let me show you. Go to chapter 7, verse 16 and 17. Here's what happens. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but His who sent me. If anyone wills to do His will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. What causes the conflict is when we begin to share the Christmas story, when we begin to share, is it true? Did he, was he really born? Was it, what, did it really happen? Did, what? And Jesus says, listen to me, you have to do the work, the investigation, and you have to find out that if what I've done and what I've been and the person that I am, if I'm aligned with God, then that's a good thing. If I'm not, then I'm not a good thing. But he said, you're going to have to search it out and you're going to have to look it out. What makes Christmas for Christians so powerful is that if we would just make it a time where people have to search it out. I went to a drama play, a singing the other night. And it was really good. And I love how the preacher said it. And, and, and he did this big production of, hey, come to our whatever, our Christmas program, our whatever, da, 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 da. And it turned out to be a lot of songs and him preaching. And I love because his honesty was so great. He said, he said, this was just the bait. He was just point blank. He said, this was just the bait. And I just, I thought, that's good, right? Everything is just bait. Christmas balls, Christmas trees, lights, all the stuff, snowmen in my yard, all the stuff. It's just bait to get the conversation of what Christmas is about. And Jesus said, everything that I've done and everything that you've seen has been the bait. I didn't come here to heal you all the time. I didn't come here to, to, to heal leprosy or raise dead people all the time. That's not what I came. That's the bait to get you to understand what's the main course, what's the main thing that I want to talk about, which is you need a king. You need a savior. You need to be saved. You need to be set free. Go with me to verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Then why do you seek to kill me? Now they would look at him and they would say, What are you? You must have a devil. Ain't nobody trying to kill you. you. What are you talking about? Nobody right here is trying to kill you. But go to verse 25. I'm going to show you a couple verses just to blip your screen. Verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to? <laughs> go to verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to go to verse 34. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot. Jesus knows it. They know it. Jesus says, listen, what I've now let's go back to verse 19 again. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you seek to kill? He says, 
you have this moment, you have this time, none of you are doing, because notice how you use the word kill me, part of the Ten Commandments, you can't murder anyone. And the Pharisee says, we want to murder him. We're trying to find him so we can murder him. Nicodemus will later say, and later in the chapter, he says, listen, don't we, aren't we supposed to hear? The law says we're supposed to hear him out first. And they jump all over him and ask him, are you one of, are you one of his followers? You, you, you from Galilee? You? He's like, whoa, no, 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 I'm, I didn't say that. I mean, it is, it is hot and heavy here which is what Christmas is supposed to be. Christmas is a time of peace and joy if you have peace and joy. But it is to be, we should make a Christian song, it's the most uncomfortable time of the year where everybody's squirming and everybody's worming so they don't have to hear. It's the most uncomfortable time of the year. For those of us who believe it, it is the most joyful time. Why do you think the world fights so hard to make it happy holidays? Merry Xmas, because they want to take your story, the good parts of it, and turn it into something they like. And it's your job to say that's not what it was meant to be. Jesus is the first standing at a Christmas party and saying, you're not celebrating the right thing. Go to verse 37. Verse 37 through 39. Jesus finally debates with them. Some are saying, he, 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 man, he, nobody talks like this guy. He may, he's the Messiah. He's, he is incredible. This, he's a prophet for sure. We, they're having all these debates. And remember what I told you, part of it, they've already sacrificed the bullocks to, for the nations. They've already done the torches. They've already done all these different things that will take place and, and Jesus stands up, the Bible says, at the last day of the feast. The last thing that's done is the priest goes and gets the water and he pours it out on the, ta- on the altar. And Jesus, in the last moment, stands up. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and... See, this symbol was supposed to be, look, one of these days he's going to come and one of these days when he comes, man, we're not going to be thirsty anymore. We're going to have... And Jesus stands up in the last day and he says, hey, if anybody in this place thirsts, if you're really hungry for it, if if it's not just about the symbols, but if you're really looking for what you're looking for, to never thirst, to have the water that they're symbolizing being poured on the temple, if you're really wanting that, then listen to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow So what is Christmas? John said, let me tell you what Christmas is. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a celebration. It's a party, but it's not about the tents, and it's not about the lanterns, and it's not about, but it's about him. He who believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is not your work. This is God's work. You don't have to make rivers flow out of you. God says, I'm the one that provides the water. 
I just want to know, will you be a conduit for the rivers that I want to flow out of you? I want to know, will you let me flow through you? Will you let me But he spoke concerning the Spirit. Notice now, one of the things they did was tote the torches. And man, one of the exciting things for the kids is everybody's got a torch and everybody's walking around. But one of these days, we're all we're going to have the Spirit. And he's going to be sitting on the throne. We're going to be... And Jesus says, not only am I the atonement, but this water that I talk about to you will be rivers flowing out of you and it will be my spirit. And it will be what lights up the world. In Galatians, we're given the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, but think of it this way. Out of you will flow rivers of love. Out of you will flow rivers of of joy. Out of you will flow rivers of peace. Brother Lord, I wish I was more gentle, more long. I wish I was. Out of you will flow rivers of long sufferingness. On the great day of the feast, he cried out and said, if there's anybody that's thirsty, let them come unto me, and out of you will flow rivers. But he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would Christ without the Spirit, Christmas without the Spirit won't work. It is the Spirit of joy. It is the spirit of peace. And the question is today, do you have that? Now, I'm not saying, did you not put your tree up? That's not what I'm asking. Did you hang enough lights? I'm not asking you that. I'm saying that during these celebration, during this celebration of Christmas, do you actually have what we celebrated? Which is that out of you will flow rivers of love, joy, peace, kindness, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness. Can you look at in the mirror and say, out of me, out of me this year, whoever I bump into, whoever, I am going to be a living testimony for what Christmas is about. That I am a conduit, a river flowing for anyone that bumps into me. Or are you going to need the right present? The right dessert? But he spoke this concern as whom those who believe in him would see, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. We know that now he is. Because Jesus was not yet glorified, which would happen in six months. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the... So you may be listening to me right now, and what's going through your mind is... That really is what I'm supposed to be doing. That really is the reason for Christmas. That really is the reason for the sea. See, when you begin to do it because it's the most uncomfortable time of the year. It's where we have to tell the world, decide. Hear his words. Look at his life. Look at what he's done. Truly, this is a problem. Others said, this is the Christ. Verse 41, but some said, will the Christ come from Galilee? 
Has the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was born? So there was a... Verse 43, keep rolling with me. So there was a division among the people because of... Just like there is at Christmas. There's a division. What's it about? Is he really who he says he was? Some say he is. Some say he's not. Some are just confused. Because they said, well, you know he can't come from Galilee. He's coming from the seed of David. But nobody ever investigated long enough to realize that he was from Bethlehem. He was born in the town of David. Of the seed of David, his father, Joseph. Nobody investigated or fixed that. They just, I don't know. I'd just rather not even talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. No, no, let's talk about it. Let's investigate it. Let's wrestle it out. For there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them wanted to, to take him, but no one would lay hands on him. For the officers came to the chief priests and said to them, Why have you not brought him? The chief priests sent officers and said, Go get him and bring him here and we're going to kill him. And when they came back, they were empty-handed, and, and the Pharisees said, why, why did you not bring it back? Here's what they said. And the officers answered, no man ever spake like this man. They're like, we were going to get him, but mm, we just decided we wasn't messing with him. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also? You're going to get it. People's going to say that's just crazy. And they're going to say, you're deceived and you're... It's all right. It's Christmas. It's the most uncomfortable time of the year. Then the Pharisees answered, are you deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, I told you, Nicodemus said... He whom came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him or knows what he's doing? Verse 51. They answered and said unto him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet arises from Galilee. Remember, they were confused. He wasn't born in Galilee. He just shined a light on Galilee. Verse 53 is where we are today. I'm fixing to dismiss. Some of you are like, thank goodness. Some of you are like, mm, that's, that's pretty good stuff. In this room, there is all thoughts. But here's the way it ended. They all decided, let's just not deal with it. It's not time. And everyone went to his own. Christmas is over. It's time to pack it up. We'll come back next year. Hey, we'll put up the tent again next year. We'll, we'll put up everything next year. We'll get our torches out next year. We'll do everything again next year. The feast is over. It's time to go back home. Nothing's changed. And for many people, Christmas is the same way. They pull out boxes and boxes of stuff and nothing ever changes. They celebrate. They go through all the motions not knowing that Jesus is standing there the whole time screaming. If anyone is thirsty... If anyone needs, let him come unto me. And I will give him water and drink where he won't thirst anymore.
you're in this room today, that's what Christmas is about. It's about a Savior screaming out, crying out, standing among all the parade and all the fanfare and saying that I'm what you're looking for. You're not going to find it in the tree and you're not going to find it in lights and you're not going to find it in... You know what amazes me? And I'll just show you how we are. We'll spend 20 bucks to drive through a light show. But we won't spend 20 bucks to feed somebody next door. Do you think we really know what the season is about? Do you think we really shine the way God wants us to? I got nothing against the lights. and Go drive through them. I hope you do. But don't forget that that's not the reason. That's not the memory that God wants you to have at this time. There's something a lot bigger going on. There's a king. There's a savior. There's a champion. And he's alive. And anyone who's thirsty and anyone who's in need can run to him. That's our message. Will you stand? If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that is me. Yeah, I go through all the Christmas holidays. I do all the stuff. I've done it with my family. I've done it since I was a kid. I've, I've... But I'm going to be honest with you, Pastor Lot. I don't even enjoy these holidays. I don't even enjoy going through all the junk. It just seems like more work and more stuff we have to do. You know, the crazy thing is, is that during these times when we are supposed to be celebrating and joy, do you know the suicide rate goes up? It skyrockets during this time. And I can't help but think a lot of times it's because we sell people on a bag of goods that's not real. Hey, if you just come eat pie with me, you'll feel better. Hey, if you'll, if you'll just come eat turkey with me. Hey, if you'll just, here, here's a present. This will make you feel good next 365 days. No, it won't. But God sent a gift. And He sent a gift that would last 365 days. In fact, it'll last every day of your life. It'll be like water that flows out of you. It's a river that doesn't end, doesn't go dry. You say, Pastor, you believe that? I got saved at eight years old. And I'm over 39 now. A little bit. And there's not a day in my life that it's ever run dry. It is continually flowing. So yes, I can promise you today that what you're looking for is not in a tree and it's not in lights and it's not in some presents you're going to get and nothing you're going to eat. All of those are beautiful things and they're just symbols that's to let you know what is the real prize. And that real prize, his name is Jesus. And he stands right now just like he did 2,000 years ago. And he cries out across this room and he cries out across this America and he cries out through the world. And he says, if anybody under the sound of my voice is thirsty, if you're dry and you're tired and you're weary, come to me. 
And I'll unload all the weight off of you. I'm not only your atonement, I'm not only your forgiveness, but I'm your joy. I'm your peace. I'm your strength. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want to embarrass you. I try not to do that. But if you say, that's me. And I am going to right now, Pastor, I'm going to accept him. As we use the term, the reason for the season, I'm going to accept him for who he is. He's what Isaiah spoke of. He's the, the king that's coming. He's what John said, the light that filled the world. It's what Jesus says, I'm the well that's inside of you that never goes dry. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Him. I am ready for the seasons to change. And I want you just to raise your hand, just right where you are. Every head bowed, no one looking around. Nobody's trying to embarrass you. But you just need to just to accept Him. Father, thank you for those hands right now. I speak that in the name of Jesus right now, every hand that went up, that God, you heard them not only in their word, but in their heart. And that right at this moment, they, every sin they've ever committed is gone. Everything that ever has held them is broken. And that right now, even as they raised that hand, joy began to flow. Peace began to flow. They don't understand it. They don't realize where it's coming from, but it's like water flowing out of them. It's going to be all right. I got somebody with me. I'll never be alone. Father, I praise you right now in the name of Jesus. That God, if we confess our sins, if we ask you to be our Savior, you're just and faithful to forgive us of all our sins. Thank you right now for making this the reason for the season. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. If I don't see some of you in the travel of Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. May the Lord bless you. Go give that devil fits.